Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We know that God is an active God in this world. He is not a God that created all things and then stepped away, but God's presence is here through Messiah's ministry, by means of the Holy Spirit in every believer, and also through the angelic world. God is at work. And here's the challenge for each of us, that we would be wise enough to understand what is God's will, what has he called us to do, and that we would trust and rely upon him for his provision through us and to us that his will might be performed. There is nothing better than God's will being performed, and there is nothing better for you and for me that we are part of it, that we're instruments of his will. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Leviticus and chapter 19. Now, we began this chapter two weeks ago. We also were in it a week ago, and now, God willing, we'll conclude chapter 19 this evening. And I want us to begin with that 23rd verse, and we'll see immediately that connection between these next few verses and what we talked about from Luke's gospel, chapter 13, beginning with verse 6, where it says, And now again, Leviticus 19, verse 23. For you come into the land, and the implication is, when you come into the land, but it's a promise. For you will come into the land. God is showing his faithfulness in proclaiming to the people still in the wilderness that they will arrive. They are going to make it. Everyone? No, but that remnant will do so a remnant of people that obey God, that demonstrate faith, that's sensitive to his commands and want to honor him. These are the ones that arrive where God wants them to be. So he says, for you will come into the land and you will plant every tree of food. So you'll come there and you are going to plant trees that give food but he says but they will be unto you uncircumcised its fruit so what is he saying here initially and we'll see exactly and more specifically what he means but initially that fruit is going to be viewed by us or ought to be viewed by us as uncircumcised what does that mean forbidden that which is not permissible so the fruit initially is uncircumcised and it's uncircumcised to us for three years it will be 
to you uncircumcised. And again, the implication is those three years. And therefore, look at the end of verse 23. He says, therefore, one will not eat. And the implication is one will not eat of that fruit. So there's absolutely no benefit from the fruit that a tree produces the first three years. What is done? It is left alone. It is treated as that which is forbidden. Some say that you gather it up and you bury it. Others say you simply can't discard it, but it should be treated as forbidden or uncircumcised to the people of God. Verse 24. But in the fourth year, all of its fruit will be holy. Now, holy has to do with the purpose of God. And the the context here is that all of that fruit in the fourth year belongs to God. And therefore, one takes that fruit and he utilizes it in a holy purpose, meaning he can offer it up as an offering, as a gift, or some authorities say they may give it to the poor but they themselves cannot benefit. They cannot sell it. They cannot eat it. They cannot derive any benefit from it. They have to give it to a godly purpose or better yet, to God himself. Look again at verse 24. In the fourth year, it shall be all of the fruit holy. And it shall be, and if we keep reading, we have a phrase here from the word it is a praise unto the lord so it's for the purpose of making praise unto the lord and what's one of the way you do that well someone is hungry they have nothing to eat and you come and you give them something to eat and they praise god so it's used as an offering in the name of god but many would say it can indeed be used in order to bless the poor and the needy but it is seen as holy unto the lord so it's offered up unto him and many of the tithes and offerings were in turn used for the needy of the land but the important thing is this one in the fourth year is doing it as a praise unto the lord That gives us insight to the one that we talked about, that vineyard worker in Luke chapter 13 that said, don't cut down the tree yet. Let me in this fourth year hoe around it, provide fertilizer, so maybe there will be fruit in that fourth year. And what's done with it? It's given to God or the purposes of God. Look now to verse 25. But in the fifth year, you will eat its fruit. And notice something else. When we follow God properly, when we do what he has called us to do, notice it says, Lehosif lachem tevuato, which means to add. There's an additional for you. So something's going to be given additionally for you 
of its what of its yield now some will say this that this additional aspect when we obey god the first three years it's forbidden the fourth year we give it to god or a purpose a godly purpose the fifth year we may partake and that fruit in the fifth year is going to have an additive it's going to be an extra blessing it is either going to yield more be more plentiful or it's going to be more prosperous as we eat of it meaning it's going to have greater nutrients for the individual there's going to be some added benefit some blessing that is attached to that fruit in the fifth year and all of this we do why notice how verse 25 concludes i am the lord your god now what's important about this passage of scripture is this phrase i am the lord or as it is written here i am the lord your god we're going to see as we go through the rest of this 19th chapter that a phrase like that or similar to that is going to appear not by chance but eight times we're going to see that if you look we see it here at the end of verse 20 25 we're going to see it again at the end of verse 28 we're going to see it again in the scripture at the end of verse 30 we're going to see it at the end of verse 31 and also at the end of verse 32 and then we'll see it at the end of verse 34 again at the the end of verse 36 and then finally at the last verse of this chapter verse 37 eight times we're going to see i am the lord or i am the lord your god or as in one case there's going to be a reference to i am the lord your redeemer meaning the one who brought you out of the land of egypt now i would say that it's not by chance eight time because eight is a redemptive number it's a number of new beginning it's a number of of the kingdom it's a number that speaks about a kingdom change and what we find here is that these are laws that god is giving instruction statutes in order that we can experience the kingdom now but let's be careful even though that we can experience some of the characteristics the attributes the character of the kingdom of god now the kingdom will not be established until after the second coming of messiah messiah comes when will he come again and we're speaking about his second coming not the rapture but his second coming he will come at the end of god's wrath being poured out he will bring that last blow that last pouring out of god's wrath we can say it another way he will bring that judgment and it's through that judgment the last judgment of this world that we're going to see that the millennial kingdom is established so those who teach the kingdom is now this dominion theology they are wrong but look again at our text what it says now verse 26 you shall not eat the blood so do not partake do not taste do not eat the blood now we hear that and we say this is a torah commandment and it is 
but realize something else. We see that the Jerusalem Council in the book of Acts said the same thing. Do not eat blood. And that, and I'm not going to go into it at this time, but that admonition, that commandment from God has a lot of implications to it because most of the meat that people eat today does in fact have blood in it and therefore are we violating this prohibition this commandment of god look again at verse 26 do not eat the blood and notice the next thing we're going to see in the next few verses there's going to be a connection to what we could call the occult uh uh divination these things that that are part of idolatrous practices and we are not called to do that all those things are related to idolatry a spiritual adultery going against the god of israel in order that we through other means which are false means and produces nothing but the judgment of god trying to get what we want don't pursue what you want pursue what god commands you to do that's what wisdom is that's how a true believer in messiah behaves we pursue the purposes of god so look again at verse 26 he says do not eat blood and then he says in the same verse do not and the implication is practice divination and do not and there's another word and some bibles will say saying whatever it is we're talking about a form an expression of what we might call in simple english witchcraft it's doing those things that are not appropriate for one who is in a covenantal relationship with god we don't practice divination we don't practice soothsaying we don't do those things that are tied to witchcraft and to the occult it is not appropriate for us verse 27 now he has another verse of scripture that relates to something that again is frequently ignored people eat blood and people also don't practice this and what is that he says do not and this is a word for clip and it means in one sense to to remove entirely do not remove entirely the the quarters of your head now what's it talking about here well according to tradition there are some corners that you should not shave not remove the hair and one of them is here the other one is here and tradition says there's three upon the chin so don't destroy the hair that's implication that is in these locations and notice we're going to see that the previous verse dealt with the idolatrous practices and we're going to see that the next verse does as well And we're going to learn an important truth in a moment, but notice what he says. Do not uh, utterly remove or destroy the corners of your head and do not destroy the corner of your beard. Now, they would say rabbinical tradition is that the two corners of the head are here and here. And then there's the corners of the beard, three places, this side, this side, and in the middle. 
all of that should be covered by hair to some degree the length there is no measurement so as long as it's not shaved the the old testament law is saying that as long as it's not shaved it is uh being fulfilled now we look at that and we say well i don't understand that you don't have to understand it the word of god is commanding it and why would you just simply ignore it why would you just say you know it says this but that's in the old testament so i'm not going to do it i think that approach is very dangerous we should take all of scripture did you hear that we should take all of scripture and apply it to our life yes being led by the holy spirit yes under our new covenant faith through grace all of that but the grace of god usually produces an observation or an observing of the commandment to a stricter way why do i say that well you have heard uh, don't kill or don't murder is literally what it says but messiah says if you hate your neighbor you have committed murder in your heart so we see under messiah's teaching there's the stricter application and understanding of that commandment so he says that don't destroy the corner of your beard and then he goes back to idolatrous practices he says do not and this is a word for scratching or putting an imprint usually through a knife do not cut and then it says lanefish and that means for a soul and the implication is for a dead person and do not do so upon your flesh meaning don't scratch don't cut for a dead person and do not uh, uh let it be done for 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 into your flesh and don't have a imprint and this is a word for like a stamping or a marking of something and then we have the word ka-a-ka ka-ka well we have the word today in modern hebrew that's derived from that ka-kua which is a tattoo now let me say something i know many very strong and faithful believers that have a tattoo but let's just be biblically true having a tattoo is not god's will having a tattoo is in disobedience now i know there's a woman bible teacher right there that's a problem because she teaches over men her name is joyce meyer and let's just be honest she teaches that that's okay and let me tell you what she does now we know that the scripture talks about god's love for his people messiah demonstrated that love and there's the the marks upon his palms but that's not the same word she takes a word that has nothing to do with the tattoo and says something blasphemous that 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 messiah tattooed our name upon his prince upon his palms he did not that is very very improper biblical interpretation it is derived from wanting to make a point and twisting scripture to in some way try to condone that point we ought not do that so i'm not apologetic because what i'm called to do is simply to share simple biblical truth and when we look at this we're seeing here that we should not make an imprintment that is some type of writing and by the word by the way the word for for writing is the word ktiva 
And we look here, and this is the word ketovet. Now, ketovet is another word for writing. And it simply says, don't write, and then we have a word for a tattoo. There shall be no writing upon that, that person. That's what it's trying to say. Notice the context for this, going to the first part of verse 28. And it says, it shall not be given among you, meaning done among you, and then he says here why i am the lord the second time we see that expression i am the lord the first time i am the lord your god look now to verse 29 verse 29 he says something as well that's very important now i like this passage of scripture for a reason it is a great portion of scripture in order to teach hermeneutics because you ask someone the question, and I've done this in small groups, and I've said, uh, what do you think about that, the first part? A tree, the fruit, don't touch it for three years. The fourth, give it to the poor in the name of God. Offer it up to him in some way. And the fifth year, you can start doing it. And they'll say, uh, I, I, I'm not sure about that. Okay, you're not sure about that. But what about the next part? Practicing divination and say, oh no that's wrong of course that's wrong we don't do that okay we don't do that what about uh your hair not destroying your hair in certain parts oh that, that's that's not important okay what about a tattoo oh again that's not important what about cutting your flesh in behalf of a dead person no we we don't do that now you see the point people are making decisions they're not basing upon the word of god they're just saying well i don't want to do that i don't think that's right today i don't think that's important today so very dangerous when we put ourselves as judge rather than we're servants he's the judge he's the master do what he says let me tell you you will never regret when you say god i read your word and I wanted to apply it to my life, being led by the Spirit, and do the simple meaning of it. You won't regret that. But if you say, you know, God, I know what your word says, but I didn't care. I didn't think it was important. I didn't think I wanted to practice it. I didn't think others should. And that's what I taught them to do. Those type of behaviors and statements you will regret when you go before him. So we just want to simply read what the scripture says and be obedient look at verse 29 it says here and let's deal with literally what the scripture says not in how some translate it it says al techalel which means do not profane your daughter for and then we have the word harlotry or prostitution but it says initially do not profane your daughter for prostitution or harlotry why that affects that action affects much more than just that 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 female it says that that you will not uh the land should not play the harlot meaning that when you do that It is going to bring a change into society that the land is not going to to manifest the character that that land should. Now, of course, this is applicable primarily for the land of Israel. 
But would you not agree that we wouldn't want to profane our daughters wherever our daughters are? That we wouldn't want her involved in in such a behavior? Of course not. That is a, a vile thought. Here's the truth. So what is the basis? I mentioned that this has hermeneutical implications to it. What is the basis saying yes to this, no to that, no to that, no to that, yes to that? See, it puts us in a position where we are making the decisions. That's that's dangerous. We need to hear the Word of God and implement it. Again, being led by the Spirit, but nevertheless, implementing the message of the text. So it says here, Do not profane your daughters for harlotry, that the earth should not become a, a harlot, meaning that it's not... Uh, uh, being used for the right purposes and the earth would become full of what well wickedness it's the word zima a word for for gross violations of morality and the standards of God when such practices are not followed we are going to see a growing degree of perversion in the world and don't you see that let me give an example of that. If you are from America, you can understand this better. But but several years ago, probably about uh, six, seven years ago, the United States Supreme Court sanctioned marriage between the same sex. So a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman. And I would say this as, and I'm trying to be a sincere and objective observer. But I would suggest this to you, and you can accept it or or reject it. Since that time of same-sex marriage being embraced as law in the United States, the morality and the perversion in this country, America, I happen to be in Israel, but in America has grown and multiplied at a very, very rapid rate. Would you agree with that or not? And I would say the same thing true for other countries as they, for example, in in Europe, as more and more Europe is embracing perversion, we see that perversion produces more perversion and in a rapid manner. This is what's happening throughout the world more and more. And the scripture says that. So we shouldn't be surprised by it that when we practice that which is against the law of God, it is going to have greatly adverse implications to it. It is going to bring about the perversion of the world. And that's what it says. Verse 30. Now, it's interesting because we're going to, in verse 30, deal with a a commandment related to Shabbat not just the seventh-day shabbat but we're going to see it's in the plural meaning that there's other types of shabbat as well the high days also the shemitah year and the year of jubilee and again people will say well there's nothing to these these days that we don't have to acknowledge them today that's that's in the past and they misapply romans 14 to it thinking that that that's talking about shabbat and holidays and that passage is not And what does he say here? Well, look at verse 30. 
and my sabbaths it's in the plural et shapototai tishmeru my sabbaths you shall keep and my sanctuary it's in the singular my sanctuary you shall fear meaning you should make a priority in your life now we see something that is consistent if you will look and i'm speaking about in the tanakh the hebrew bible or the old testament if you look at the old testament where you find passages relating to the sabbath you know what you'll find frequently hear that carefully frequently it comes to us either immediately before or immediately after passages dealing with idolatry now remember what the scripture says man was not made for shabbat meaning god did not make us so that we keep the shabbat but god made the shabbat for man meaning the shabbat has a benefit to humanity and do not be and excuse my words but do not be foolish and thinking well shabbat is only for the jewish people i mean does not the scripture say it's a sign between me and the children of israel forever yes it says that but shabbat was first mentioned long before there was any jewish people look at genesis chapter 2 and everything that god has given to israel israel is supposed to demonstrate it in order to be a light to whom the nations meaning god doesn't give something to israel for israel alone it's mine 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 and not yours he gives it to israel that we can demonstrate it teach it be an example of it in order that the the nations would want the same outcome of applying that law that truth that instruction to one's life this is what the scripture is saying look at verse 30 and my sabbath you shall keep and my sanctuary you shall fear why here's the third time i am the lord verse 31 now he goes back right after talking about uh uh shabbat he goes back to idolatry uh, about uh, divination and soothsaying and witchcraft and such why look at verse 31 and do not turn to and it mentions the avot and also do not turn to the yid onim now the word avot is a word that has to do with idolatrous practices and this other word comes from and let me say it again the word yid onim has to do with knowing and some would say it's a reference to familiar spirits because the word knowing and the word familiar are related and he's saying don't turn to this this is not what a child of god does do not seek and don't seek them because if you do it's going to bring defilement uh, upon them meaning those that seek them will be defiled by them and he says once again the fourth time i am the lord your god verse 32. now in verse 32 it teaches us something sometimes we need assistance to grow spiritually and therefore there's levels meaning god yes we're supposed to honor god but but where does it begin well look here it says 
from before, and this is the word seva, which is an elderly person. Most Bibles will say a gray-haired man. Israel, we don't use the term gray hair, but white hair. It says, before an older person, rise up, meaning show them respect. And it also speaks about a word which has to do with splendor or, or honoring or that which is uh, uh, a beautification, meaning it's a beautiful thing to do. And what is that? Well, we can say honor the face of an old person. Give that honor. Treat them as beautiful. Show them respect. And then it says, you shall fear your God. Meaning this, as we show respect to the older people, the elderly, as we recognize them, it is going to help us to fear God, walk in the fearness, the fear of the Lord. And why do we do these things? One reason. I am the Lord. Fifth time it is mentioned, verse 33. Now, let me say, in my opinion, this next section of scripture, Israel as a nation, as a political country, is, is violating. Why? Well, we're frequently in Tel Aviv, and in Tel Aviv, especially in the neighborhood where my daughter lives, there are many refugees, people from, from different countries, Sudan, from Eritrea, from other countries where they are being threatened. And therefore, they take great risks. They leave those countries in Africa, and, and hear this, they walk all the way from South Sudan in a very dangerous journey to the land of Israel. And when they get and cross the border and they do so, if it's an open border, it's risky. They may be stopped and turned back by the Israeli army. If they are, the Egyptian army will kill them on the spot. And those who get through and those who make their way into to Israel and to many and most are in Tel Aviv we should understand something and what does the scripture say well look at verse 33 for the and it uses the word ger a stranger but the word ger comes from the Hebrew word gar which means to reside to live so one who lives with you in your land it says you shall not mistreat him don't be unkind to him. This is something that the government of Israel needs to remember. Verse 34, as a citizen among you, this stranger shall be unto you, the one who dwells with you. And what else? You shall love him as yourself because, and this is what's huge in my mind, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And we were enslaved in Egypt. That wasn't nice. We didn't appreciate that. There was much suffering that happened from that. Therefore, the last thing that we would want to be as a people is unkind to those who are strangers among us, those who have sojourned here especially when the primary reason they've come is not because they say, Israel's where I want to be. It's because this is a place of hope for them. 
because where they're from if they stayed there and by the way many of these from sudan and eritrea are in fact believers they know about the land of israel and therefore they feel like the jewish people in egypt and they want out and therefore they make that journey in faith and we need to welcome them we need to understand what we experience in Egypt, and not to be like the Egyptians, but to be that that Am Segula, that treasured people, that special people. This is what he says. Look again. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Why do we do this? Again, the sixth time. I am the Lord your God. God, this word for God, judge. I am the Lord your judge. So treat this in the proper way. Verse 35. You shall not, and this is a word for making unjust, acting unjust, a perversion, a twisting, do not do unjustly in judgment. And it says in a measurement, lots of times, we we, uh, judge in regard to how much someone pays, how much weight. And therefore, we have the word uh, by measurement or by weight, the word mishkal, weight, where we get the word shekel from or by volume don't cheat people saying it weighs more you have to pay by by what it weighs and you have uh, improper weights and measurements it says look at verse 36 but scales of righteousness and those weights of righteousness and then it gives different measurements a righteous apha and a righteous hen shall be among you why here's the seventh time because i am the lord your god and what did god do who brought us brought you from the land of egypt what is that bringing us from the land of egypt all about it's all about redemption god redeemed the people from that oppressive place egypt that word mitzrayim is derived from the word tsar which means narrow in the sense of pressure and anxiety so god worked in our life now we should work and be a blessing to others who find themselves in that same situation let's wrapped up let's wrap up verse 37 and you shall keep all i would underline that you shall keep all my statutes and all my judgments and you shall do them why i am the lord now i believe that this is very easy to understand and it's only and hear this it is only by means of the holy spirit that we can take these words and apply them to our life in a way that we have one objective and that is to bless others and honor god those two things go together blessing others and honoring god i want to bless someone because this is how god reveals to me i honor him remember what messiah said as you did to one of the least of your brethren you also did to me in my opinion this section of the torah these last verses from the book of leviticus chapter 19 have so much application for us if you're led by the spirit you will agree Not because I'm right, but because I want to honor his word. I want to respect his word. I want to see myself and others 
apply his word to to one's life that is what a true believer desires this is what a new creation messiah is about wanting to take the instructions of god agree with them and implement them for his glory while close with that until next week shalom from israel well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.